Welcome to the Bronovo Podcast, the podcast that models healthy communication for men, empowering them to start the journey of self-work. Now here's your host, Thomas Pierce. Okay, welcome to the podcast today, Christy Spencer. Christy runs the Polite Company, which is a certified etiquette training service built on the principles of consideration, respect, and honesty. And Christy's experience and knowledge will help you navigate any social situation with confidence. And Christy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for uh, for being on the show. Thank you. For sure. So the polite company, and I like to in your in your descriptions, you describe etiquette as you know not a set of rules, but something a little more approachable. So, what what does that mean for you? Well, what I like to teach about etiquette is practical advice and how you can use it to help others feel more comfortable, how you can help situations. And it's really about building relationships. So every time you have an interaction with somebody and, you know, it goes smoothly. Great. You built a relationship, but sometimes things don't go smoothly. Sometimes you have a dilemma or you're not sure what to do. And knowing how to use etiquette in that way to solve a problem and build relationships is really transformational. Nice. Okay. So do you have uh, any examples of scenarios where these, these kind of skills could help someone? <laughs> you know, you're at work and you're, you know, have to have a difficult conversation with a coworker or something else. You can either approach it, you know, like Bob, you know, you need to stop talking so freaking loud on your telephone. We can't hear ourselves think. Or you can, <laughs> you know, solve the situation another way by maybe building that relationship with Bob and saying things in a little bit more different way, empathetic way. You're still going to get the same result. Bob's just not going to hate you. Right, right. Which is good. Yep. We don't want Bob to hate us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. So what about what about you, Christy? At the start of conversations, I like to kind of bring it back and hear about people's upbringings and their early influences. So, you know, where did you where did you grow up, and what was your path to, you know, this type of work that you're doing today? I, remarkably enough, grew up on a, in a teeny tiny town in Kansas on a farm. Um, so there weren't a lot of really fancy occasions that we went to and that, but we did always sit down at the table. We did use our table manners. My parents were very strict about that. We may not have been millionaires and, you know, but we minded our table manners and we said, please and thank you. And we learned those kinds of things. And then as, um, Life is kind of funny sometimes. My dad went from being a farmer to being a diplomat. So I found myself in uh, Japan growing up and around a completely different uh, wow. people um, as my dad worked at an embassy. And so that was a huge influence is, you know, learning not only another culture, but just how, you know, more formal situations. And I just, you know, fell in love with that. And was just a complete etiquette nerd from then on. I went to uh, university and graduated with a broadcast media degree. And then I was in television news for 20 some years. Um, still always had this um, passion for etiquette and throwing parties and all these kinds of things. And then I took an etiquette class and it was so lovely, I couldn't stop. 
Nice, cool. How did that transition happen from farming to the foreign service for your for your dad? <laughs> He'd had some training before, and they were just looking for this certain kind of training. And this is when back when, you know, farming is still it's always been a tough industry, but it was even tougher. And so, you know, made a huge leap to totally change his family's life. And, you know, it was fantastic. And I, I can't imagine not having those experiences and not being able to appreciate people who aren't like yourself and still respect them and honor them. Um, it was, you know, just well, how it was supposed to be. Yeah, that's cool. And I've, I've never been to Japan, but I've heard that they're, it's a very manners forward culture. So that could have been reinforcing perhaps to, to go somewhere where, Oh, these people also kind of have this priority. Yes. It was all about, you know, having pride in your family and your appearance, Mm -hmm. you know, the taxi drivers wear three piece suits and hats and gloves and everyone just has a real pride about them. And, um, you know, so it was interesting to see, I can't say that I've, um, always adopted, you know, that formality in my life, but it was, you know, more than you could hope for if you're interested in this kind of thing to experience a culture that, you know, is, is a lot different than we live here in the United States. Totally. That's cool. So you said you went to etiquette courses and, and also, you know, there are certifications involved. So what it does the education process look like for someone getting trained up in this, this field? So I took a business etiquette course, certification course, Mm. and it really just kind of covered all of adult etiquette. It covered, you know, introductions, job interviews, social media, you know, dining, and then all sorts of work situations. Um, It was just really ran the, the gamut. And then once you learn those kinds of things and you learn how to teach it, then you can take on other subjects. So, you know, I could, you know, apply the, those um, rules to weddings or funerals or baby showers or, you know, all sorts of situations. So kind of when you learn that and you just have an interest in you, you keep up on it, then you you can, you know, veer off into other subjects. Cool. Okay. So one that jumps out to me, especially post COVID that might be helpful for people to learn about is going to other people's homes and the etiquette around that. So probably depends culture by culture, but how would you, you know, advise or guide someone on, uh, you know, being a good house guest or, or going to someone else's home? I think, you know, we're, we're, I'm very uncomfortable anyway, asking people about their health. We should all really stay away from those uh, mm. questions for people that haven't already opened that door. But I think being vaccinated is different. I think that you mm. can, because of the safety issues, you can ask somebody, you know, just wanted to check in on your vaccination status and then offer yours as well. You know, I've had my, you know, second booster or third booster, wherever you are, just to be honest with people and let them know, you know, um, where you are. And I think that, you know, you want to be mindful of washing your hands when you get someplace. Um, You know, I don't know if I'm just, I've, we've been going out a little bit more than we had been and in social situations and, um, surprising people that don't use tongs to get food off of a platter 
or, mm. you know, you just notice those things. I think we notice them so much more. So I think just yeah. be mindful that although you're casual and around friends, no one wants your hands on their food. Um, and, you know, so make sure your hands are clean. And I think, you know, now if you if we'd have had the sniffles in 2019, we probably would have gone to a friend's house. If you have the sniffles now, I think you're just going to, you know, kind of make the situation a little bit more uncomfortable than you intend to. Yep. Yep. Totally. I, I, I play on a rugby team and we, so we have a big kind of group chat and there's been a lot of transparency when people say, Hey, feeling this way, you know, not COVID, but I'm not going to show tonight for this reason, you know, just a lot. And it, it, it is very considerate. And also the, <laughs> you know, it's, you said the booster, it's funny. Like, I know you like the funny stuff on the internet. Did you see the all the videos about like, oh yeah, like I got one of, right when they came out, like I got one of each, like I, you know, or like I'm on my eighth booster, man, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I think that it is tough because you know we are still like learning as we go, but I think you just gotta trust what's working for the majority of the people out there, and um, yeah, I mean, no one, no one really wanted to do this, but we didn't yeah. also want to live isolated from other people. That was tough for a lot of us, especially uh, if you're a social person, you know, that was, um, mm-hmm. at its own burden. So, yeah, I was, I listened to a, um, the five thirty eight is like, uh, the, they kind of started out as data analysis, but they, uh, they make a lot of political commentary kind of products. So they do like election predictions and stuff. And they have a pretty funny podcast and they were talking about, I don't know how it is where you live, but where I live right now, there's kind of this dynamic where there are still some people wearing masks. And if you go into a store, you know, maybe people, if, if the baristas or the staff are wearing masks, they'll mask up and then, or, you know, they'll put them on. And the whole, the whole idea was that this phenomenon of sometimes on, sometimes off only happens in a few places because most places there's just no masks anymore. <laughs> yeah, I live in a part of the country where there's very few masks. And it's kind of unfortunate that masks kind of turned into a political, you know, statement. Um, but I think now I I don't think I would go through an airport without a mask on. You know, it's just too many people, too many places. And that could be COVID or flu or anything. I don't want to get I, I don't want to get sick when I'm going on vacation. Um, and I think that that's good. That, that can be a little bit more accepted now. Um, yeah. but it's, yeah, I think it is a big peer pressure. This is like the biggest adult social experiment we've ever had was, you know, are you wearing a mask? Are you wearing a mask? Um, it's- totally. Yeah. I, I, I stopped doing it in almost all circumstances a few months ago. And it seems like the tide has swung or here in the Bay area, at least in San Francisco. But at first I felt it. You know, I felt really weird when I was like, you know what? It's been two years. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah like, like, <laughs> we, did all, we did everything we were supposed to do. And if you did yeah. that, then, you know, I, I think you've done your part. Yeah. Awesome. So another kind of um, topic that I like to talk about, I don't enjoy talking about, but I think it's important to talk about is kind of uh, safety, consent, and in the workplace, you know, obviously it's unless there's something really wrong, you know, those boundaries aren't really being crossed, but there are things about nonverbal communication that 
are good to freshen up on and kind of maybe for for the men listening, you know, educate ourselves on boundaries and spatial awareness, safety. So what are some things you've seen and, and things you teach about workplace etiquette and how that relates to kind of safety and consent? I think number one, safety trumps etiquette. So if you're ever in a situation where you feel unsafe about something, your last worry is about being polite to somebody. Your first worry is about your own safety. So if there's ever a question, no, is it rude to leave a room if I don't feel comfortable? No, that's never, that's not even a consideration. So safety trumps etiquette. Uh, things that people want to remember about gender roles in the workplace is the workplace is gender neutral. So there should be no differentiation between men and women. Um, people ask, should I hold the door open for somebody? Yes, you should. You should hold the door open for a man or a woman. A woman <laughs> should open the door for a man. That's just common courtesy. But in right. the workplace, you know, it's not that men open doors for women at, you know, business lunches, you know, pulling a chair out for a lady, that seems so antiquated. Um, but that's not, that doesn't happen in, that shouldn't happen in business. And people think they're being sometimes a gentleman and, you know, n- not, not any disrespect to them, but they just need to have an awareness that if you don't stand up when every person leaves the table, you don't stand up when a woman leaves the table. So just going into that, knowing that there are no gender roles in, at work, there's just not a place for that. That's interesting. That's a good concept. What is the historical context for standing up when a woman leaves the table? Like, you know, the nuts and bolts of it, why? I think it was just, you know, just to show that respect to someone. And and there's lots of things we do. You know, I mean, the way we sit around a table has, you know, implications from, you know, way back in history and and not even that we know, um, consciously, just kind of subconsciously, we do these things. And so it is difficult, you know, to sometimes unlearn those things in a business situation. But I think, you know, that, you know, gosh, back in Emily Post day, you know, you wanted to have coffee with somebody, your servant went to their house with a card and you gave it to them and everything was so formal. And now we just kind of yell over the back fence, like, hey, you want to, you know, have a glass of wine or have a cup of coffee, you know, things have, have definitely changed and men and women's roles are, are one of those things that have definitely changed. For sure. So what about, I guess the structure of your instruction right now, is it one-on-one or do you do group meetings and, and, and within that, which are the dynamics that excite you the most or you kind of are, are the most fun for you when you're working? Well, I recently developed a course called uh, The Girlfriend's Guide to Etiquette, and it's an empowering etiquette. Um, It's geared towards women, but I got to tell you, it was a man who inspired it. Uh, Somebody reached out to me and said, how do I tell people no? I can't be on another board. I can't be on another committee. I can't do anything else. How do I say no and do it politely? And so um, so then I developed this course and it was International Women's Day. And so I presented it um, to to a really big crowd. And that was that was great. And it it isn't gender specific. You know, it's it's how to decline of invitation. It's how to set a boundary, um, how to stick up for yourself, how to disagree. You know, all of those kinds of things that 
can become confrontational for men and women. But, you know, doing it in the right way and doing it with a little etiquette goes a long way. So that um, that idea has me really excited because I, I think sometimes people think being polite means always saying yes and being a doormat. And that's not the case. That is the um, the best way to be miserable in life is to let people run over you all the time. But, you know, when you can have that confidence, um, it's it's great. I do dining etiquette courses, um, a lot of business etiquette courses, job interview etiquette training, and I can do it virtually one on one. I can do it with classrooms. I can you know, teach a dining class for two, three hundred people at a time, or I can go to somebody's house and teach a, a child. Um, you know, every aspect of this gets me, you know, excited because it is just a passion. And you see when I when I hear people mirror back to me things that I've you know taught them, it just you know makes me so happy nice. because yeah. you know people are glad to learn little tips and tricks to navigate life a little bit more easily. Totally. And it, it is a, it, the whole, the why behind it kind of fits into this idea that we're always kind of selling ourselves socially to make friends. If it's specifically an employee situation, you know, job interview, even navigating internal family dynamics, you know, everyone has their own motivations and they want to get what they want. And it helps to be polite. It helps to be seen as someone who is reasonable and has a positive association. And that kind of helps get what we want out of situations in a, in a way that's, you know, not manipulative, but also is intentional. Yeah, and <laughs> that I, fine line. <laughs> yeah. And I think we've all said at some point, like, you know what? I don't care anymore. I don't care what I look like. I don't care what I dress. I'm going to say what I want to say. And that's, a cute little phase, but you do care because <laughs> you care about what your friends think. You, you know, that's a potential client or a potential boss. And so you can't have this. I don't care attitude throughout everything in your life. You, you do care and you do care what people think about you and you don't have to, you know, wear your three piece suit to mow the lawn, you know, where, you know, but it's, it's just right. knowing, knowing where, you know, to be more formal and not be formal. And of course, you know, you have to have your safe space with your friends and family where you can just kind of be yourself and do what you want to do. And and they love you already, but it's when you're making those first impressions that it really counts to be um, looking your best and acting in a way that, you know, will get you friends and people around you that you want to have around you. Okay. Awesome. So clothing then dress, how we dress, communicates a lot. So what, what is it, what do you think is communicated by how we dress to other people? I think it's just how much pride you have in yourself and it doesn't, nothing has to be fancy, but I think clean is a, a good baseline for everyone is, you know, to start off with something that's clean, not wrinkled. Um, you know, I know holes and clothes can be trendy and those kinds of things. And there's definitely a place for that. But in the workplace, I would say, you know, you want to have your clothes intact when you go to work um, and on virtual meetings as well. You know, dress how you would uh, at the office or maybe just a, a tad bit more casual. But, you know, your jammas are just not ever 
okay, you know, we've got to get back to wearing pants and everything. So (laughs) for sure. I had a a meeting with a a customer and I I always um, take meetings. I mean, right now I'm not, so I should have worn a button down, but I always wear button downs. Like I worked at a, I worked at a company before this and there was like a uniform, which is really nice, but there was a polo option and a button down option. I only, I like threw the polos away. I think polos are a disgrace to humanity because it's like commit, you know, it's not, it's this weird little thing. It's like a soft, colorful shirt with a collar. You know, it's not formal. It doesn't look good. Your boobs are out, dude. <laughs> and but then you pair that with a real smart um, suit jacket, and it looks horrible. Mm. It's like either yeah. you're on the golf course, or you're not on the golf course. <laughs> um, and and I, I like it. People think, well, like you know, it's got a collar and I got a jacket on, so I'm dressed up. It's like, no, this does not work. <laughs> Two things don't go together. Cool. I'm glad we're aligned on that. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so this this meeting and I had just worked out and so it was one of those things where I timed it too close and I had to jump on the meeting and I realized I was like, I have a t shirt on. You know, and it's okay. It was a you know, it was a California customer and wasn't wasn't a big deal. But in my head, you know, I was kicking myself because yeah, it does it does influence how we're perceived and um yeah, it's interesting kind of like within the U S the dynamics and differences. So here in in the Bay area, particularly it's very like tech forward. So, you know, especially the people who are not kind of business side, technical side folks, you know, they can just rock up and they do and shorts, flip flops, t-shirts, you know, my CEO, I've seen him just with his shoes off chilling, you know, working and it's just the way it is. And, uh, my, my first company out here, we we had a coat and tie situation, you know, formal dress code, and uh, we were we were guaranteed the only people downtown that had had that going on. So it's interesting how like different parts of the country have different. Yeah, but I mean, I think attire. that sets you apart in a good way, though. Too is you know, I mean, etiquette itself is a differentiator. You know, I mean, that's what sets mm-hmm. you apart from somebody else. Whether you send the thank you card, you know, whether you mm-hmm. dressed appropriately. And our world is becoming so so less and less formal that it's really good news because it's so much easier to stand out now. It used to be difficult to stand out because everyone, you know, was kind of at the top, you know, tip top. Everyone dressed this way, that way. And now with more, di- you know, different ways and um, acceptable forms of dressing, when somebody does dress nicely or somebody uses the magic words, please thank you, excuse me in the right ways and sends that thank you card, all those kinds of things help you stand out. And these are not difficult things to do. No, that's a great, that's a great point. Cause socially, right. Yeah. It was a more formal culture and the thank you notes is, is, is dynamite because a handwritten thank you note is, very impactful to the recipient. So yeah. How would you, for someone who's never thought of that or even received or given a thank you note, why, what is that and why does it matter? 
Well, you know, people will always ask, can I email a thank you or text a thank you? And the answer is yes, absolutely. If you want, if you've just been in a job interview and you're afraid they're going to make a decision before you can get a thank you note to them, by all means, send them an email. And then you still follow up with a handwritten thank you. Because something that's in your inbox or a text message, you're going to delete. And you get a handwritten email. Um, uh, thank you note in the mail and it kind of sits on your desk for a while. It might go on your bulletin board. There's just something about it that makes a good impression. And, you know, they can be short, you know, three to five sentences and, mm-hmm. you know, you just start and you say thank you. And then you say something specific and then you try to make a date for the future and then you wrap it up and, and that's it. So I tell people, you know, kind of have a script, write it out one time, Put your thank you card somewhere, put your stamps with them and a pen so that when you go to write a thank you note, it's all there. And so there's no excuses of I mean, it is sometimes like we have who has stamps, but, you know, get a book of them and (laughs) have them have them ready to go. And it's just so much easier if you, you know, you don't have to hunt something down. So I just impress upon people like the handwritten thank you card is is just primo. So um do it, and I'll guarantee you, in some at some point in your life, it's going to it's going to get you someplace where you wouldn't have been otherwise. I love it. I think another analogous situation these days is even picking up the phone and calling someone. Yeah, that's tough because sometimes uh, that's not what people want, and so it's hard to know. And so, mm-hmm. in etiquette, we have you know the golden rule, which everybody knows is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But then there's the platinum rule, which is uh, you know, <laughs> do under people as they want done to them. So yeah. you kind of have to know, is this somebody who likes, prefers to you know communicate by text or likes a phone call? Um, you know, I think for family, especially sometimes we, sometimes we don't give the people that mean the most to us, the best of us. And sometimes, you know, we're, trying to text with our moms or sometimes our kids just to save time. And those are the people we need to make the phone calls to the most. So, um, you know, having good manners isn't just for formal situations. It's for family. It's for the grocery store. It's for the drive through line. It's on the road. It's on social media. Um, I've had people say, oh, etiquette, are we still doing that? And I'm like, yes, we're doing it right now. You know, two people talking is, is uh, you know, requires etiquette. So mm-hmm. um, I just encourage people to, you know, but, but like you say, you kind of have to know what the other person's preference is. If they, you know, if a phone call does mean more to them or it's bothersome. Yeah. I, I have that kind of like when, when I make new friends, feeling that out. You know, because I'm I'm a phone call person. I like to talk on the phone. I think it's just better. But I've I've had that situation with people where they're like, "Dude, unless you're dying or in jail, don't call me." <laughs> <laughs> they're like, "I'll see you when I see you." I'm like, "Okay." Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, now you know. Yeah. Exactly. Now I know. Yep. So I know you're also a parent and a mother. And so I would imagine this plays into raising children as well. So how have these principles been put to the test or changed as you go through the process of, of raising your son? 
Well, I have a 25 year old who is getting ready to graduate from college and which he's embarrassed about that he's 25 and graduating from college. And I'm like, no one cares. You graduated from college yeah. and he's, yeah. uh, you know, going for job interviews. And so he's, you know, I would think he's got a real um, upper hand in this where, you know, he has his mom who this mm -hmm. is, you know, and so we spend lots of time <laughs> talking about that. And, you know, he says he'll only listen to me on two subjects, getting a job and dating. So um, I'm pretty impressed yeah. that he's going to listen to me about dating. So um, I feel pretty good about that <laughs> one. Uh, hopefully he, he picks well. He usually does. But and then I have a 15 year old son who I like to, um, you know, try to give him ideas. And he's a golfer. So there's a lot of golfing etiquette that we talk about at our house. And and he's just it's fun to watch somebody that age try to navigate things. And he'll say, you know, what happens if I sneeze at the table? You know, I mean, just things that a kid was coming, mm -hmm. you know, comes up with, and um, but I think those are good for good for life. And you know, I think they they get a little bit tired of mom, um, you know, coaching their their interactions, but um, hopefully they're better for it. Oh, for sure. I think yeah, it's super useful, and I think I grew up in a pretty manners forward house, and it, it always helps. It always. And it, it and it helps too to convey genuine emotion and feelings of, hey, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk on the podcast or to invite me over because that's, you know, it's great because I have the emotion, I have the genuine appreciation, and I have the tools to express it. Yeah, and you have the confidence to do it as well, and that's a mm -hmm. huge thing that you know etiquette does is it's not about shaking hands necessarily; it's shaking hands with confidence. And when you go to a, a lunch or something, you're not sitting there intimidated by three forks staring at you. You know which one to use. So in dining and, and that kind of thing, that's where the rules do kind of come in is. But knowing those rules gives you confidence. And, you know, there's so many people who have anxiety, you know, in public anyway. But there's a 20 like percent of those people have a specific fear of eating in front of other people. And it's because they don't want to be judged by somebody else while they're eating. And I just thought that was so interesting because you know, there's some people who definitely don't think twice. Um, but then there's some people who it's a paralyzing fear for them to eat in public for fear they'll do something wrong. And that's where the confidence comes in. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if that's – I always think back to evolutionary – uh, context, and I wonder if that's from, you know, eating because it's a vulnerable thing. You know, if I'm eating, I can't defend myself. If I'm eating, I can't be on the lookout for threats. So maybe that's you know, the so kind many, of social equivalent. So many things do go back to that. I mean, you know, first impressions go back to that. You know, we judge people within like nine seconds of meeting them because we had to do that. We had to decide if they were going to be our friend or try to eat us, you know, in that amount of time. And so a lot of things <laughs> do go back um, evolutionary, but eating is just gross. I mean, you know, you think about it in, <laughs> you know you're trying it to stab something that used to be alive or in the ground, and then you're trying to get it on your fork, then you try to get it to your mouth, and then you, you've got to pulverize it and then get it down your throat. And then you do that mm -hmm. about 40 more times. And then we've decided that everything we do, you know, revolves around 
eating <laughs> with other people. So, you know, not only is it one of the most difficult things we do, it's uh, something we do in public so often. So, um, you know, sometimes for birthday parties, I'm like, can we just take a walk? Because I'm just tired of eating. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Yeah, you, you know, my saliva glands are releasing saliva to break down the food. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's really, it's pretty gnarly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's, there's no other, you know, we do a couple of disgusting <laughs> things um, just naturally, and that's the only one we've chosen yeah. really to do in public. <laughs> I have a, a friend who uh, sometimes calls food future poop. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 that's, it is one way or the other, you know? Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, the dining etiquette, it definitely matters. I was watching a a film about Anthony Bourdain's life and he, yeah, there was a, a chef he made friends with one of the first kind of famous French chefs he befriended. And this, this fellow was on the documentary and talked about how he had impeccable table manners. Those were his exact words. And I think that always does stand out. And if you, if someone can leave that impression, it's such a positive one. And you know what it might have been as much as knowing what fork to use was just being able to have great conversation. And so, you know, when you are eating, you have to remember it's not about the food. It's not about, mm. you know, the appetizer and what you're going to have and how much and that kind of thing. You never want to be paying too much attention to the food. You want to be paying attention to the people. And the chances that people are looking at you and judging you by what fork you use or, you know, how you cut the tomato or do those kinds of things is really small. More than anything, it's how you made them feel. And, you know, your, your objective is to be the kind of person who's invited back. And so, you know, really just avoiding being gross, um, carrying on good conversations. I think that people could look at that, those, you know, two, you know, pretty fundamental, simple things and say impeccable table manners. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. Avoiding being gross. Mm -hmm. Noted. <laughs> it's really, yeah, we just, you got to break it down, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's real technical stuff. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Cool, Christy. Well, uh, yeah, thank you so much for, for sharing that information. I think it's definitely a good reminder. And, you know, even for me right now, like, I think moving forward, I'll apply the same kind of meeting principles to the podcast I run, for example, like, cause again, like wearing a button down, even if it's a virtual meeting, right. Communicates something It communicates that I care. It communicates that this matters to me and a respect for the other person's time. So yeah, I think those are all, those are all great reminders and, and things to, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go look up table manners and table etiquette. Cause I want to know. Well, if you ever have a question, my five favorite words are, I have an etiquette question. And um, <laughs> I, yeah, that's five. And, um, I, I, you know, I love to answer them for people because that's real life. And, you know, people every day, somebody will ask me something that's, you know, an etiquette question about, you know, something. And I love knowing what happens on a daily basis for people. Like I know what happens to me, but I'm probably kind of hyper aware of every situation and the etiquette around it. But I, I love knowing, you know, the stuff that other people run into and that they find, you know, like as a dilemma. 
And so I'm, I'm always up to give um, free advice and use it how you would like. <laughs> awesome. How, how can people find you for that, for that advice? Uh, my website is thepolitecompany.com. Company is spelled out in that. And then I'm on Facebook and Instagram. If you look up The Polite Company, you'll find me. And I love to talk about etiquette. I love to teach it to other people. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Cool. So we'll, we'll have the conversation game at the end. Before that, we'll do a little rapid fire questionnaire to to get to know you a little better. So All right. well, are you ready? Um, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess first to qualify, do right? you like music? Are you a music fan? Certain eras. Certain eras. Okay. Top three artists. Aerosmith. My okay. one favorite ever. Um, I like Lizzo a lot now because she's got a nice. That nice empowering message. And, yeah. you know, a third, probably um, Fleetwood Mac. Classic for sure. I, that's a good mix. I like that. Yeah, Lizzo's awesome. Lizzo has some great work she's done too. Her hip hop is awesome, but she's done all kinds of music, singing, and her voice is amazing. Yeah, yeah, she's she's yeah, I mean, she's like your hype girl. You know, if you when you're ready to go mm-hmm. someplace, you know, she can get you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Top three books. Well, I'd have to say Emily Post Etiquette. Um, although that's a resource book, you know, not always the, the biggest one. Um, I love an author called the sweet potato queen because, uh, Jill Connor Brown, she's, she's really funny. And, um, those are just kind of, you know, lose yourself in those books and gosh, I'm trying to think of a, a third one that really, Stands out, you know. There's one that is is really good, and it does go back to etiquette. But it's cost. It's called the cost of incivility, and it's about mm. research that a couple of researchers did, and it is fascinating. And they put in all of these things that you know, real life examples that happen to people at work, and you're just like, no. I mean, like the horrible bosses um, before horrible bosses was made. So right. the incivilities book is really good. Cool. That sounds. That title is. Dynamite too. And it, it incivility does cost a lot of money at work. Yeah, awesome. Okay, and the last one will be top three podcasts. Okay, well, I would have to. I love Sporkful with Dan Pashman. Um, I love Hidden Brain, and then uh, the one we talked about before, which is a, a really funny uh, etiquette one, is Help I Sexted My Boss, which is hilarious. <laughs> Did that start with a, that true situation? They they have like eight seasons. And so I'm wow. kind of slowly going back through. But the the etiquette situations they come up with are really, um, I mean, they're out there, but, and, but they're always just hilarious. And, you know, I bet they're true because I don't think you can make this stuff up. Real life is way more interesting than anything you could make up. Um, yeah, but I'm sure there's one of those or more in there. I just haven't quite got to it yet. So awesome. 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 I'll check them out. Okay. So a new conversation game here in the show spark by seek discomfort. Would you like to go first or second? We'll each have a question to answer. I'll go second. Okay. 
Okay, here's my question. Is there something that makes me feel guilty? If so, how do I handle it? Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I I think I feel I'm I'm very aware of privileges I have, but I wouldn't say that makes you feel like guilty. I am keeping in mind and I am intentional about kind of sharing opportunities and trying to like pull people up, you know, whether it's pers- interpersonally, you know, on a basis of a friend who needs more confidence or more maybe, you know, kind of similar to you, like social confidence and also kind of on a more systemic level, like thinking about if I'm ever owning my own business or getting to a higher level in organizations, how can I kind of help disadvantaged folks or people who would be really talented in organization get the opportunity to get in the door? Yeah. And I mean, and and, you know, every working parent has guilt because you can't be Mm -hmm. two places at one time and you you can't be all things to all people. And so I think we all, we, you know, we've all experienced that, that guilt on that level as well. But, and, you know, I mean, just being aware of it, you know, just your being aware of it will change the way that you, you handle it. I think. Totally, totally, totally. Okay, here's your question. Who was your first best friend and what did you like about that friendship? Oh, I think I had a friend named Amy Waymaster back in Kansas (laughs) when I was growing up. And she was just so (laughs) sweet and so nice and beautiful. And she... um, at like six years old, she was in like a really bad car accident where she was burned over like 80% of her body, like serious burns. And and she went through a lot. I mean, so many surgeries and and so many things. And even though she had scars, she, she has always been the most, the prettiest person that I can remember Mm -hmm. growing up. Wow. Good for her. Those uh, those cars seemed like death traps back in the day, huh? Oh well, yeah, and that was even an old one, and you know, it was yeah. it was a you know a really you know a, a a big thing for a kid you know to go through and to witness. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she it just it it doesn't it didn't matter. I mean, she's beautiful, just and still is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, inside and out. It sounds like yeah. Cool. Well. Shout out to Amy. I think it's always so funny remembering, um, yeah, like the names of people we grew up with. Yeah, it's hilarious. Cool. Awesome, Christy. Well, thank you so much, everybody who's interested to learn from you. Go head over to thepolitecompany.com. I had so much fun. Yeah, for sure. Great to connect with you and meet you. And good luck with uh, all the good work you're doing. Thank you so much.